0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Zeidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Come on inside the college football film room alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And Chris, we're reaching the point of the college football season where there's enough film on these teams out right now that we're really starting to get a good sense of who these teams actually are.
1: Yeah, I I think so. And we're going to find out a little bit more each and every week, but when you start to see good against good or you see at least semblance of matchups that can maybe challenge a team in ways that they've not been challenged before, I think we start to get a feel for things. So, you know, uh, be it Ohio state, be it Florida. Um, you know, I think there's uh, there's two teams that come to mind that uh, really showed some things this week. Obviously we're going to learn a little bit more about Oklahoma, Texas. And um, so, yeah, I do agree with that. I, I do think we're starting to see, you know, some separation, who looks really good, who's maybe have the less holes at this point. And you got to look through some of the opponents to kind of get a feel for who truly has all the components that you look for. But I think we're learning a little bit more each and every week.
0: I want to go back to last week's games. Uh, The big game that stands out to me, Chris, was Florida beating Auburn. Uh, I did not think that that was going to be the case. I felt that Auburn had more talent. And judging by the way that they played to that point during the season, I felt that Auburn was the best team in the SEC, or at least playing the best in the SEC at that point. Uh, I thought we saw Bo Nix really look like a freshman on Saturday, and we hadn't seen that all year. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all gush over the kid in the way that he uh, showed poise in that final drive against Oregon. I thought he really, really looked like a freshman in that game against Florida on Saturday.
1: Well, and they didn't help him out either in terms of play calling. I I think what we've seen again, it's been a pattern with Gus. I think the team is more talented than Florida. Uh, I think they were playing very well. I think mainly defensively, but offensively, they were finding a little bit of a rhythm. But this offense is very rigid in what they try to do, and they can't vary off of that at all. And what we saw was a clear difference in one coach's ability to craft its way against a really good defense, and that's Dan Mullen with Florida, to get just enough out of the offense. creative to get just enough out of the run game to make a difference. Neither one of these offenses played very well. Neither one of these offenses had a lot of success blocking the fronts but it was a little bit more creativity out of Florida with less talent, quite frankly, than Auburn because they're a little bit more flexible. They're a little bit more fungible in how they do things creatively from an offensive standpoint. And Auburn, that's been the issue. It's been the issue with Gus. We've seen him win some big games. They've beaten Nick Saban a couple of times. He's beaten Georgia a couple of years ago when no one expected it. But you also see the games in which they don't have an answer. And I think they didn't have an answer offensively. They were not able to move the football. They weren't able to run it. When we said it last week, I talked about it. That you know, Auburn should be able to run the football a little bit. They should be able to with tempo. Should find some run creases where well, they couldn't. Well, if they can't run the football, then Bo Nix is going to struggle. Bo Nix has not lit it up. Bo Nix has not been this superstar player. He's a guy that makes plays particularly when they can run the football and set it up off play action. If you can't run the football, you don't have play action, you're dead. And that that is going to be an issue. And it's going to be an issue when they go to Baton Rouge. It's going to be an issue playing Georgia. It's going to be an issue playing Alabama. So this is going to be tough. And while that was a good stretch and winning a couple of games and beating Oregon and beating A&M and beating Mississippi State handily, this was a tough loss because this was a winnable game for them. They were completely outcoached. Florida turned the ball over a bunch. Auburn turned the ball over a bunch. They had their opportunities, but the difference is Auburn got nothing out of their offense. They made critical red zone mistakes. They were two for fourteen on third downs. They were one for th- five on third and shorts. So Nix was inaccurate. He didn't handle the press, the rush pressure very well. But I didn't think that. I think they would have, they would have avoided that a little bit better. They weren't able to do it. And therefore, uh, Florida, all credit to them, they were able to handle things in the swamp and put the L on the the Auburn Tigers. We'll get to Florida a little bit more in a a couple of minutes here, but
0: now that Auburn's going to be without Booby Whitlow for four to six weeks, uh, how does that affect their offense as a whole? Because he was their main rushing attack.
1: I think it's going to affect it a lot. I mean, he is uh, their feature back. DJ Williams is a similar style, not as good they're going to have to do it by committee. And I I think, you know, when you look at having to go to Baton Rouge without him, I think it's really tough. I think it was going to be tough to begin with. So I think we're going to start to see the squeeze coming down on, on Auburn again, unless they're able to pull out the miracles of a couple of years ago, it's going to get a little hectic again. It's a, it's, and it's going to be interesting because the buyout so large with Gus, uh, Mm. you're going to have one faction that's going to want to do it, but I think it's not realistic um, you know, they're looking at, they're, they're staring down now that they've got one loss, they're staring right down at four losses. I mean, there are three more losses to have an eight and four record. I don't see it being any different and it would be quite the opposite if they go in nine and three. And to me, that was realistic, but I thought they had a, the best shot of winning was last week against Florida, uh, you know, losing, you know, I, I think to LSU, Georgia and Alabama, particularly losing to the two biggest rivals, Alabama and Georgia, it's not going to sit well. There's no question about it. And, and so I, I think it's going to be interesting, but I think the loss of Booby really hurts their ability to be able to run the football, which, as I said, that is the key. That sparks their offense, the play action.
0: Let's talk about the Florida Gators now. Are, are they better than what we're giving them credit for? You know, you're seeing the way that the offense looks, and Kyle Trask, I mean, you know, give that kid all the credit in the world getting knocked out of the game. coming, It looked like he was done, then he comes back. Uh, you know, they, they, they saw a different look to their offense when they bring in the backup, but, you know, this is Kyle Trask's team right now. Are they better than what we've been giving them credit for?
1: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I can speak for myself. I thought they were a pretty good team. I thought Auburn had more talent. I'm not shocked that Florida won it. I, I thought Auburn, better team, more talent, would would win it. I'm not shocked that Florida won in the swamp. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm I continue to be surprised positively by how Dan Mullen just takes whatever he has and gets the most out of it. An offensive line, they can't run the football. They they didn't run the football a lick. P. Ryan got the big run late. They couldn't. They didn't get two yards of carry. Until that, I mean, they 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 couldn't run it, but they have taken Trask. He's moving the team. I, that's coaching, and I'm not surprised by what Dan does there because he just continually does it over and over again. Is Emory Jones I, better for, the, for for their offense no, though? No, no? Okay. no, no. I I don't think he's better. I think they can win with him, and I think they can win with Trask. I, the problem is is they can't run the football because they're not good enough up front. But they're again just found a way to make enough plays against one of the best defensive fronts in the country. That says a lot. I mean, it says a lot about their defense, too, and the pressure that they put on Auburn. I I think this is we're going to see. The answer to your question is no. I don't think they're better than I thought. They're about what I thought. I don't. I think if they go into Baton Rouge and beat LSU, then the answer would be, yeah, they're better Mm -hmm. than us because I don't think they can go in and win that game. I don't think they've got enough offense to be able to do it. And while they were able to cause a lot of problems for Auburn, I I don't think they can slow down LSU's offense enough. And I don't think Florida's offense can score enough to win that game. If they're able to do that, then I would say, yeah, well, they're better than I thought. But right now, no, I think that was a case in my thoughts, and I even tweeted it out during the game. Interesting game, really fun game to watch. But both of these teams, Auburn and Florida, better get more out of their offense if they're going to win in Baton Rouge. Both of them have to go to Baton Rouge here. Well, let's talk about a team
0: that might be playing better than anybody in the country right now. And that's the Ohio state Buckeyes who just rolled over Michigan state last week. And you, despite the ranking, and I don't really care about the rankings right now, Chris, because it mean, doesn't mean anything. Uh, are the Buckeyes the best team playing right now?
1: I think they are. They're, they're the most complete team. It's them in Georgia that, that doing the best job. Ohio State's a little more explosive. I think people are excited about what they're doing. They didn't. They weren't smooth early against Michigan State. I mean, Fields was a little sloppy with the ball. But here's what I liked about it: they corrected it very quickly. Dobbins got going again. The defense has some big alpha dog leaders. They're making big time plays. Yeah, and, how good is Chase y'all And oh, he's he's <laughs> outstanding. And obviously, they've got they've got some playmakers in the secondary. But the defense is creating turnovers, and the offensive line is really blocking well. So I, I this team doesn't have a lot of holes. They're, they're playing better defensively and getting better play right now than Alabama defensively. They're playing better than Clemson. I think George is the one team that people are sleeping on a little bit because they're not as explosive, but George is really good defensively. They're really good running the football. but so I, I think right now, Ohio state and Georgia, at least in grading down the film, they look like the team that have the least holes um, of any team in the country right now. Again, that can change and as mm-hmm. we play better opponents. We'll see, but right now I'd put them in that order, but I, I do like though. I think, I think you can absolutely make the case for Ohio state being the best team in the film. As you mentioned, the, the, the polls don't matter, but, but at least for me, that's kind of how I see them in terms of how they look in the film room. And so the eye tests, and I don't know if the people that kind of look at the eye test that are on the committee, I, I don't know that they, you know, enough of them have enough football background to see it, but that's kind of how I see it at this point. We still got, you know, a few weeks before they start to unveil, but it'll be interesting to see how these teams play going forward and to see where uh, some of those initial uh rankings will come out.
0: I just can't wait to see what Ohio State looks like against Wisconsin in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be talking about maybe 7 and 0 versus 6 and 0. Uh that game though is in Columbus, so that's why you know you give Ohio State the the edge there, but that's going to be a t- that's the biggest test that they would have faced all season is going to be coming up against that Wisconsin team.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to – we'll get into that when the time comes, but I think they match up very well at Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's going to struggle with Ohio State's speed. The team that's going to give Ohio State the biggest run in the conference is Penn State. Penn yep. State looks good. They're, they're the best-looking defensive team right now in the Big Ten, and they're moving the fall pretty well. That's the game I'm most interested in looking at. Because that game will likely decide the East Mm. if Penn State doesn't trip up. Now, Penn State's got some games in which we know they've kind of stubbed their toe and what happened to Penn State this week. But right now, uh, that's the team that looks a little bit better than I thought they would be. I like their linebackers, but man, they got really good edge rushers. Uh, they're vulnerable in the secondary to some degree, but man, their front seven can eat now, boy, they are really, really good. And I can't wait to watch, uh, those athletes, Ohio state and Penn state play out, but Penn state's got some work to do before that.
0: Yeah, uh, and that game's going to be in Columbus as well. So Mm -hmm. the schedule is in Ohio State's favor this year.
1: Mm -hmm. Let's, Let's jump right into
0: that Penn State team because they got a big game this Saturday at Kinnick Stadium against Iowa. Iowa coming off a tough loss against Michigan in which they had every opportunity to win that game. Their defense played well enough to win that game. They just could not manufacture anything offensively. Is this a dangerous spot for Penn State on Saturday?
1: Not if Penn State plays well. I mean, and not unless Penn State turns the football over repeatedly. Um, Iowa couldn't block Michigan's front. That's why they had four turnovers. Very uncharacteristic of a Kurt team. They can't block Michigan's front. They're going to have a hard time blocking Penn State's front, I can tell you. Um, Stanley was under pressure the entire game. I expected to be. Now, listen, Purdue's struggling. But, my God. They sacked Purdue 10 times, Penn State did. Um, And and we're talking about good tackles that struggled against Don Brown's blitz pressure last week. I I think this is going to be an interesting test. Uh, You know, we'll see how much Iowa can improve this week. Uh, But if they can't protect better, it's going to be a long day against this Penn State team. Because I think this Penn State offense is going to be able to move the football on Iowa. I think they'll score some points. Hamler's playing well. Um, Clifford's playing well. So I I think they'll get some points. I don't know if Iowa's offense is going to be able to score enough on this Penn State defense. Again, this Penn State defense is really good. They may not be quite as good as Ohio State on offense, but I think defensively they can go toe-to-toe, particularly with the front, maybe not the back end.
0: Let's go to the Big 12, Chris. Where uh, Baylor looks like they might be the third best team in this conference through that they're playing right now. They're into the top 25 now. They're five and zero. They're at home against a Texas Tech team that is coming off an impressive victory in their own rights. Uh, is this a, a week in which Baylor reinforces
1: their hold on maybe that third spot in the Big 12? Yeah, I think so. They're they're the most you know outside of the top two. They're really sound. Brewer's moving the team. Well, Mims is playing well at receiver and, uh, Hosley's an explosive player. They got Thornton at receiver. They had a pick six for a touchdown. Yep. They're a pretty explosive team. And they're pretty good on that side of the defensive side of the ball. I think, um, you know, the, the interesting game was last week against Iowa state. They played well for a half and Iowa state played played well for a half. It's like two games in one. <laughs> but I, I really like this Baylor team. And, um, You know, I don't know that they're they're a a deep threat at this point to go into that November stretch where they got Oklahoma and Texas, both in Waco, by the way. But you know, I can tell you they're capable of causing Texas some problems. May not be able to beat Oklahoma, but we'll we'll see. They play them back to back. But yeah, I I think they're the third best team, slightly ahead of Iowa State at this point. Uh, But that's a good looking team, and uh, not someone again that I think can challenge for the conference title. But Uh, I think really solid as the third best team.
0: Well, the biggest game in that conference on Saturday is going to be the Red River shootout at the Cotton Bowl. It's Texas, it's Oklahoma, it's the Texas State Fair, and whenever these two teams get together, Chris, it really is unpredictable.
1: It is. You know, Tom Herman is good playing the underdog role. I think he'll play that out to the hilt this week. Um you know, I think that Texas is going to have to I'm, – I'm curious with the game plan. And from my standpoint, I try to put myself in that situation. I, I, I would try – they are moving the football well. I think you can score against Oklahoma, but I think you want to be balanced and be able to run the football, much like they did last year in the upset over Oklahoma. They're going to need to do that. They're going to have to protect the football, and they're going to have to force some turnovers. They forced some turnovers against West Virginia, an improving offense, by the way, in the Mountaineers, uh, in Morgantown. But they forced the turnovers. But I got to tell you, Texas is a poor tackling team. Mm. And, you know, if they don't create turnovers, they can get run out of this. Because I think Oklahoma can can make a lot of plays against this secondary. Um, I thought they did a pretty good job in coverage against West Virginia. But this is a different animal with all the Oklahoma wideouts and the explosive playmen. I, I don't think they're able to cover those guys. And I sure as heck, no, they can't tackle those guys. So they're going to have to find a way to create pressure, and they're going to have to possess the football a little bit more and win the turnover battle uh, to pull the upset like they did last year. So, um, look, they, they play the role well. Oklahoma, I don't think Oklahoma can afford to lose. I think you need to be unbeaten to assure yourself a spot yes. in the playoffs. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but unbeaten, I think is, 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 is required. Yes, of course. Uh, a primetime game Saturday night,
0: Chris, uh, uh, under the lights at Notre Dame Stadium. It's the Irish. It's USC. I believe it's the Battle for the Golden Shillelagh. Is that this one? Yes. Or, yeah. as, uh, or as uh,
1: Lou Holtz would say, shillelagh! <laughs> it was really funny. He would always say, we got away with this, shillelagh! And uh, with his great list, it's a shillelagh. And... Oh, it's you just got to get Lou to say, no, <laughs> so it's good. But no, it is going to be an interesting um, with or without Lou Holtz's commentary. Um, listen, we know this USC team is very dangerous. They've got playmakers at receiver. They're up and down. If it's the up, if it's the good USC, they can make a run at it. There's no question about it. I like this Notre Dame team they're really underrated defensively in books playing well. I know they just had bowling green last week, so they're under the radar and people didn't focus a lot on it. I, I, they played well. They, they, they hung in and they impressed me with what they did against Georgia. I know how good Georgia is. And a lot of the Georgia folks are disappointed because most people thought that Georgia should have won by 20. This Notre Dame team is pretty good. This Notre Dame team is pretty good. And I think that they, they you know, I, again, I don't think they make the playoffs with one loss, but who knows? We'll see how this plays out. Uh, I i think they they take care of business here. Uh, I just think this is a good all-around team. I, I think that uh, Brian has a good team, and I think he's coaching this team well. And um, I think this Notre, team, Notre Dame team has a shot to run the table the rest of the way, and we'll see where that puts them. I don't know, but I like their chances here their consistency, but I'm, I'm well aware that a really good game by USC could make this tight. Yeah. And, and could this game be important for the future of clay health? Oh, well, listen, this game carries a lot of weight in Trojan land because it's a rivalry game. That means a lot more. I mean, it means kind of what, um, a, a big conference rivalry means, like you know, if you USC, you better not use, lose to UCLA. And I'm not talking about this year because I know UCLA's bad. But if you lose to UCLA, that, that's – you know, particularly if UCLA's bad, that, that's tough. That's a, But Notre Dame is like, you know, that's a rivalry game. It means a lot. It probably means a little bit more to USC. But, yeah, losing this game becomes tough because now you're dealing with the inconsistencies with USC. If they go ahead and they lose to Notre Dame, and you start a little bit of a stretch here where Arizona's playing really good ball, very underrated. In fact, they're the hottest team in the conference and they're scoring and Khalil Tate's just gone off the rails. You know, that's not a given that you beat Arizona a few USC on the, on your homecoming game in, in the Coliseum, Colorado on a Friday night, got Oregon, Arizona state Cal's. you know, as long as Garber's out, you got a better chance to beat them. So, Listen, I think that this is a game that if Clay wins, it's a boost. A loss could kind of, you don't have the safety blanket. Lynn Swan's not the athletic director. We know the new chancellor that that, uh, that lady wants to make a change. There's no doubt about it. Um, so I think it's Clay going to have to try to somehow save his job and a loss to Notre Dame, particularly if Notre Dame beats him handily. I think that would, that would be tough for him to overcome. You think both schools, do they
0: prefer this matchup being played in October or late November? Because, you know, it it alternates depending on, obviously, when it's in South Bend, it's in October like it is now. And when it's in L.A., it's, it's later in the year. It's the end of November. Where is the right spot for this game?
1: I'm not sure there is one. I think for Notre Dame, they're more – Notre Dame has an unusual circumstances in which they kind of got to play – Everybody, they they got a quasi ACC schedule, which mm-hmm. you know, they gotta gotta fit that in according to kind of how that plays out in the ACC. But for USC, it's it's I don't know that it makes a lot of difference because it's right in the middle of their conference schedule. It kind of messes up the conference schedule in October or November. I mean, I don't know that there's a real best way. Look, it's it's better nationally. If it's late in the year and they're both good, and let's say they're both unbeaten, they're both in the national playoff race, it it probably means more if you put it right there late November. But in terms of preparing for the opponent, I don't know that makes a whole lot of difference either way. All right. Well, let's go to
0: the SEC where there's two big games this weekend. First up, let's talk about Alabama against A&M. And, you know, this A&M team, Chris, they confuse me each and every week. Uh, some weeks it looks like they are really a very, very talented team that can hang with anybody that they play with. And then other weeks I just find myself scratching my head and wondering what Kellen Mond is doing, what this offense is doing, and and I
1: really don't know what to make of the Aggies from week to week. Well. Here's what it is with them. They're just not good on the offensive line. So they can't run the football. And, it, you know, they're trying to work Kellen Mon in the passing game, and he's under duress. They need to probably involve him more in the run game and try to salvage it that way. So to me, it's just, you know, when they play a team that doesn't have a really good front, they can have some success offensively. But when they play a team that has a good front, it's – not going to be pretty and like, Clemson, like that
0: game again, like that game against Clemson. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. And Auburn, and, and and Auburn, well. Auburn, Auburn just mm-hmm. ate them up with that defensive front because they had no answers. So look, I mean, I think it's as simple as that. Um, and, and Kellen Mond will play as well as their run game will allow him to play. Uh, this is not going to be a close game. It's not going to be a good matchup for him. I know Alabama mm-hmm. beat up defense front. No question about that, but, they're still quite a bit better. So I think with the Aggies, with their schedule and their issues up front, look, it's it's going to be quite challenging the rest of the way. I mean, they've got uh, a chance, I think, down the stretch. They've got Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Texas San Antonio. Then they've got, uh, you know, South Carolina after an open date. But, you know, they've got at Georgia and at LSU. So they're – you know, they've um, – they they got beat – by Auburn, they got beat by Clemson. That's expected. They expected to get beat by Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. So to me, I've kind of felt like they were going to end up seven and five. Um, I think, you know, that's where they probably should be from a roster standpoint. And I'd say with the injuries and the problems up front, um, that's about as, as good as they can be. I don't see them, their ability to upset any one of those teams. I just don't think they're good enough to do it right now. I think it's, the future's good but the future's not this year. Yep. I would
0: really I would agree with you on that one. Uh, the game of the night though, it's going to be LSU and Florida, Chris. And I don't think you can argue that many quarterbacks in the country are playing better than Joe Burrow right now. He's completing all- over 78 percent of his passes he's thrown 22 touchdowns and just three interceptions this season and and we talk about it every week when we talk about this lsu team the joe brady influence they this is a completely revamped offense and they look incredible And, and i think they're gonna win and i think they're gonna win rather easily against this florida team because i think florida is coming off a tough game in which they're they they we were very physical against Auburn I just think it's a bad spot for them to go on the road to Baton Rouge in a prime time game that is a very tough place
1: to play I think this is LSU's game by double digits um you know LSU last week it, it didn't go unnoticed in breaking down the tape against Utah State they did two things and they 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 work off of one another one they shut out a Utah State offense that's averaging close to 400, point, 400 yards a game, and they held them to 159 yards. So that was pretty good Utah State offense, pretty good quarterback that they shut out. It was the best tackling performance by LSU. They had some guys come back off of injuries. So that was good. In conjunction with that, and a big reason for that, is that they played better ball control. They had more sustained drives. They worked the run game, the short pass game. I think that's important. Uh, I think to be a championship-level team – Their defense is going to have to play that way, and their defense is going to have to have a chance to play that way by getting off the field a little bit more and not constantly being in an up-tempo on offense. So as I kind of look at it going forward, and going forward meaning this week, this is going to be by far the best defense that this LSU offense, which is explosive. They've not played a really good defense yet. So this is the best defense LSU's offense will play. It is also the first really good offense that Florida's defense has played. So it's going to be a really good test for both Florida's defense and LSU's offense. I think, though, that the key is going to be can Florida get enough points to stay in this game and have a chance in this game? Um, You can maybe knock LSU's offense down a peg. And I think Todd Grantham is going to disguise his blitz pressures. I think they've got three good guys that can match up in coverage. I think that they're going to be very aggressive and they're going to try to, you know, force Joe Burrow to make quicker decisions and pressure him a little bit as much as they can and how he handled that's going to be intriguing. But even if they do it, I think LSU is still going to get enough points to where I think Florida is going to have to find a way to get at least 28 points, maybe 30 to win it. Can they do that? Well, I do think that Auburn's defense is maybe a little bit better than LSU's. You mentioned the fact it's not in the swamp, it's in tiger stadium. I I think it's a different type of game. I think Florida is going to have to play a completely different type of game than they did against Auburn and a different type of game that they've played against LSU in the past. Remember last year in the swamp, And it's been kind of this way with LSU and Florida offensively challenge, defense, field position, find a way to scrap, get a field goal that feels like touchdowns. And and boy, you know, you got a 10 point lead and it's like you got them where you want them. I don't think it's going to be this way. And this is another challenge for Dan Mullen. Can he craft enough offense to get it done in this game on the road against? Because now you're going to be playing an LSU offense that's likely to, to force you to play from behind. You're struggling to run the fall to begin with run the ball to begin with. LSU's got elite corners. Are they going to be able to throw it well enough to make plays? And then you're not going to have Auburn's inept one dimensional offense. I think this is a tough matchup for Florida. I really do. I look people can listen and can sit in there and say, yeah, you thought Auburn was going to be Florida too. I, <laughs> I do that didn't surprise me as much it would surprise me big time if ls if florida is able to beat lsu i really do it is a test the first tough test for lsu uh against a defense because texas did not have a good defense but it also is a test for florida i'm with you i like lsu at home here i think they've got some distinct advantages
0: Oh, I'd be shocked. You're right. I'd be shocked if LSU loses this game. And I'm riding this Tiger train all the way until it stops. I just think that they're that good, and I've been that impressed with their offense this year, and I've been that impressed with Joe Burrow, who is certainly putting himself in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Uh, These film room previews, Chris, that we talk about every week from evaluating a team from a film room perspective and just trying to predict what it's going to look like on the field in their next upcoming game, these are things that fans can read every day on LandryFootball.com.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I got an email today. Somebody said, man, I really like reading your film room breakdowns because you can go into the by conference and look at the reviews on last week's game and how teams played. How did Stanford pull that upset over Washington? What did they do differently? How did they come out of nowhere? Well, if you've been kind of following inside the film room, you can see things like a team getting a little bit better. Even though they may be ranked 117th on offense, getting a little closer. They're getting a little closer. Not that you can necessarily predict an upset like that, but you can see some things coming. So we take you inside the film room by conference, breaking down all the games after they're played, and that helps you get ready for the next week's games. And we preview each of the games inside the film room. So we give you a key to look at the matchups and see where the keys are. We just talked about Florida, LSU. How's Todd Granham going to play it? How's Dan Mullen going to play it? The other thing I would mention is – Look at how good Dan Mullen has gone up against Dave Aranda, the defense coordinator at LSU. He's gotten the best of him. Does that change? We're, we get into that in detail. So you get a good feel for that, uh, taking inside the film room where you get a better understanding of the whys, making you a smarter fan. We think you'll love it. Whether it's the pro game, the college game, you got a great opportunity to go inside the film room and get an access that you can't get anywhere else. And we got a 50% discount, Scott. So, Folks can check it out and take advantage of it. Less than a magazine subscription, uh, you can see the game like a coach and a scout.
0: Uh, it's certainly worth it. And, and listen, for you people that love, you know, whether it's fantasy or just we're betting on the games, the film room previews are just a, a must read. And I'll give you a little example. Last week, one of my favorite bets, Chris, was Baylor over Kansas State. Why? Because I watch them and I know what they're capable of, but I also go to LandryFootball.com and I read the film room preview. And what do I read on Baylor? Oh, I read everything about, hey, this isn't your high-flying BU team of the r era. It's starting to fit what matters. That rule wants strong defense. The bears have yet to allow more than 21 points. Great pass rush, move the chains, limit mistakes. I'm reading verbatim folks from Chris's film room preview of Baylor against Kansas state. And what happened last week when I put a couple of shekels on Baylor, Chris, Mm -hmm. they go out there and what do they do to Kansas state? They dominate them 31 to 12. And that insight is just priceless. And you get it at LandryFootball.com. You can always follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball for the latest breaking news. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott's on Aaron. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, share this podcast with your friends and your family because no one breaks down college football like we do. We know that there's a lot of podcasts out there that you can listen to, but we give you the real information. We're not just blowing smoke up your rear ends. Chris How many hours a week did you watch film this week, Chris? How many
1: hours? Well, I I average about uh, 16 hours a day. 15, 16 hours a day.
0: 16 hours a day watching film, people. I mean, I watch like one or two. Chris is watching 16. This is unbelievable. This is the insight you can't get anywhere else, so be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the College Football Film Room Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Check out LandryFootball.com. Again, on Twitter, at LandryFootball. I'm on Twitter, at Scott's on Air. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll get at you again next week, Chris. Hey, look forward to it, Scott. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Believe.